Well, good morning. Wow. This morning we're continuing a series called Defining Moments. And as you can see, there's defining moments in all of our lives. And the ups and the downs, the joys and the struggles. But God is with us throughout the whole journey. Uh, this past summer, we had a great time. As a family, we went and we took a vacation. And, and it, it was just so fun. And I hope you were able to get away and be together with your family at some point uh, during the summer. But my daughter, Grace, is 10. And so uh, we were talking about what do you want to do on our trip and these things. And she was saying, I want to see a waterfall. I want to see a waterfall. I said, okay, great. So I go online and we're looking and we're researching. And, and, and there was this kayak trip. So you could take this kayak trip and you kayak for about an hour and a half and then you get to this place you drop the kayaks and then you hike for about another hour and a half or so up to this waterfall and I saw I'm looking online I'm thinking this would be cool you know this would be great and and every summer the girls we come there's a special day with daddy you know and so we take I take one of the girls and I said do you want this to be your special day that we go on this kayak hike trip and we head to a waterfall and she's like yeah that would be awesome that'd be great so Great. So we're there and we're on vacation and we go the day, it's our day to go on this trip and we get up early in the morning and Lisa takes us and she drops us off at this kind of kayak back of the woods place and I'm looking around, it's a little shady and I'm kind of wondering, okay, what have we gotten into? But I'm all right with it. So it's Grace and I and then we get there and these other people are there. So it's like a tour it's like, and you know, there's three other, four other couples, they're all in really good shape and it's me and my 10 year old. And I'm looking around going, whoa, I think I should have been working out before this. I don't know what I'm getting into here. And then our guide walks around the corner. And I think she just got back from man versus wild or something, you know. And she's like all ready to go, strapped up. And I'm thinking, this is getting tough here. All right. And so she's like, everybody grab a kayak. Y'all have all done this before, right? And I'm going... Yeah, sure. You know, this is great. <laughs> of course we have. And so we head down the water. We put the kayaks in. And, uh, you know, Grace is in front. And I'm back here. And I'm looking at all these other people who are really good shape. And I'm like, all right, sister, you got to paddle. Because <laughs> we, we got to keep up. And, and our guide comes by. She's like standing up in her kayak, you know. She's like just standing up with one hand. I'm like, whoa, she's tough. And she doesn't have any shoes on. I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. So we get on and we're going. And I, I'm giving everything I got. And, you know, Grace is looking around it's beautiful. And I'm like, all right, you got to paddle. Let's go. And we're going, I'm sweating. And I'm thinking, I'm in way over my head here. And so about an hour and a half of kayaking up this one river. And we went down this other river and we pull up to the shore. And so all these kayaks are there. We're kind of the last ones in, but we make it and we get up there and I'm sweaty. And so then the guy goes, okay, we're hiking this way. I'm like, is there a trail or, you know, like steps or, you know, oh no, we're just taking off and we're going through the brush and we're climbing over rocks and roots. And I'm looking back and there's a couple of times, you know, Grace is just about to lose it. I mean, she's tearing up and I'm like, you can make it, babe. Come on. We're doing great. You're doing great. But she's hanging in there. She's coming around. Then we come around this corner and there is a river. I mean, a river, like flowing river. And the guide goes, okay, we're going across the river, but they, we, we strung a rope across the river. So all you do is you just hang on to that rope and you go side to side and the water will probably come up to your waist or so, but you'll be okay if you just hold on the rope and keep going across. And I look back at Grace and Grace is looking at me, her eyes are this big. And I'm thinking, what have I done? You know, <laughs> I'm having flashbacks to when I was a parent and at the age of five, I took our girls to uh, Disney World and I took Grace on the Tower of Terror. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a great idea at first, you know, but that first drop, I mean, it, ah, 
you know, and I'm like, oh no, oh no. And then I get off the tower chair. I'm like, hey babe, please don't tell your mom. I'll buy you something. <laughs> Cost me 20 bucks, but I gotta tell you, she went in and said, it was great. You know, so don't tell Lisa if she's here. But it, I mean, I was just thinking right there, I'm standing there at this river, it's flowing, there's a rope and Grace is bawling. And, and I'm at that moment and I don't know what to do. You know, I'm going, Grace, we can't go back. I mean, you know, we don't have the option here. I mean, our group is going on. You've got to do this. You've got to just hang on the rope. Daddy's behind you. We'll go across. We'll make it. She's like, no. You know, I mean, she is scared to death. And I'm like, babe, you got to do it. You, You could do it. Come on. You could do it. And I said, the only other option is you don't see the waterfall. You stay here. And it's another 45 minute hike or so. So in about two hours, we'll come back to you and you're in the brush. I don't know what else is out here, but you've got to do this. And, and I mean, she is just about to lose it, right? And I'm thinking I'm the terrible parent and this is crazy and this is nuts. And finally, she's just like, okay. And she's mad at me, you know, but she goes around me. And she grabs onto that rope and she starts inching across and she's crying the whole time. And I'm right behind her and I'm holding on and praying like I've never prayed before because this is going to be nuts and Lisa's going to be so mad and uh, just trying to get across and we make it across the other side and then we go up through some roots and we go over, you know, some rocks and big rocks, but we came over the top and we finally made it to the most majestic, beautiful waterfall you've ever seen. And we get to this waterfall and we were able to get in the pool and there we are right there and, and there's a pool at the bottom and it was just spectacular. And on the way back, I mean, Grace is smiling from ear to ear. And we come back down that same trail. We get to that same river. And this time, she doesn't even look back. She's like, all right, I got it, Dad. And she just grabs onto the rope. And she goes straight across. And we go back. And you know what? We got back from our vacation. And you say, Grace, what was your favorite part of the trip? And she said, it was going to the waterfall. It was that kayak and that hike with Daddy. That was my favorite part. And I just go, oh, yeah, way to go. I'm not a bad parent, you know. I mean, it was awesome. And it was awesome. But the fact is this, that, that there are defining times in our lives. And, and sometimes they're the hardest things we go through, right? But it's when we look back and we see God's hand of God's mercy and God's grace. And that God is with us. And that God hasn't given up on us. And when we come through those times, we can look back and see how God redeems and God restores we're in this great series, Defining Moments, and we're, we're talking about that. And I would love for you at some point in this series to just take some time and write down what are those defining moments for you. And maybe, maybe for you is, you know, moving as a child or graduation, or, or maybe for you it was something hard, the passing of a parent or divorce. But yet you felt God with you. Maybe for you it was the birth of a child or the birth of a grandchild. Or maybe for you it was this dream that God gave you. Maybe it's being a part of a church and a community. But there's defining moments in all of our stories. And the incredible news and the great news today is this, is that God's not finished. (laughs) We still have breath in our lungs and God is not finished with us. And the best is yet to be as we follow him. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you to open with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9. Uh, last week we started this series, we were in Acts chapter 8. Uh, Acts is in the New Testament, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then the book of Acts, or maybe you have a mobile device, you can follow along with what God's word says here. Jesus ascends into heaven at the end of the gospels. He tells the disciples, you know what? I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes. And Jesus had given them the great commission. Go into all the world. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. 
But what had happened is the church grew in Jerusalem. They kind of became a holy huddle, right? They all loved each other. Things were great. Things were wonderful. And then in Acts chapter 8, persecution comes. And it's hard and it's difficult and it's challenging and a lot of people scatter. But when they scatter, they tell people about Jesus. And this becomes that defining time as the church moves out of its walls, as the church moves out from just being Jewish to the rest of the world. This, this right here is that defining moment in Christianity. And praise God for that, that the word has come to us, you know. That we have hoped in life and salvation. A guy, Philip, in chapter 8, he takes the gospel and he meets an Ethiopian eunuch on the road and he shares Christ. And we said this, that the greatest defining moment in anybody's life is when you give your life to Christ. As God draws you to himself in that, in that beautiful picture of salvation, as God is inviting you into that relationship with him. And when you respond, that's the defining moment, the greatest defining moment for all of us. And Philip shares Christ with this Ethiopian guy. He takes the gospel back, many people believe, to the entire continent of Africa. And then we come to chapter 9. And chapter 9 is so powerful. And we pick up at verse 1. It says this, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out his murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Now, who's Saul? Well, if you go back to chapter 8, remember chapter 8 opens with verse 1. It says, And Saul was there giving approval, giving approval to this. Who has he given approval to? He's given approval to the death of Stephen. Stephen was the first martyr of the church. Saul was a religious guy. He was a very religious guy. But, but man, he didn't believe in the church. He didn't believe in Jesus. In fact, he was angry. He was persecuting the church. It tells us in verse 3 of chapter 8. It says, But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. So Saul's the one leading the persecution. Saul's the enemy of the church. And he's still breathing out his murderous threats against the Lord's disciples in chapter 9, verse 2. He went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Now look at that way right here is capitalized. You see, before people were called Christians, Christians meaning little Christ, before we were called Christians, people were called followers of the way. And I kind of like that, honestly. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That that your life makes sense when you follow the way. Your life through Christ, you know what God wants you to do. You're following, you're trusting, it's a journey. Your life, God's not finished with you. They were followers of the way. Well, as he reached Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground. And he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now, I think this is so powerful. Because Saul's going, you know, I'm persecuting the church. I'm not persecuting you. And Jesus goes, no, I closely identify myself with the church. Some people go, well, you know what? I'm a Christian, but I really don't need to be a part of a church. You know, I I just do my own thing. I'm just, you're going... I don't know. I mean, Scripture talks about the church. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. Now, the church isn't perfect. In fact, if you're here today and you're looking for a perfect church, I'll save you the time. This isn't it, okay? We all make mistakes. And, and, but by God's grace, we're redeemed. By God's grace, we're growing and we're maturing. We're becoming. By God's grace, we're on this journey. And Jesus identifies himself with the church. In fact, it tells us in the book of Revelation that Jesus is coming back for his church. For his church. So I always encourage people, if Rolling Hills isn't your church, find a church. But plug in. 
join, be a part of the church. He says, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. I'm telling you, anytime you're in the presence of God, you're speechless. I mean, he is God. God Almighty, the creator of all that is. And, and they heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. Imagine here's Saul and all of his arrogance and his pride. I'm going to persecute the church. He's got this army with him, these soldiers with him. He thinks he's bad to the bone, and then he gets there and he meets Jesus. And he falls to the ground. But look what else is happening. Verse 10, it says, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go into the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I I have heard many reports about this man. And all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call upon your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Here's a defining moment. A defining moment for both Saul and for Ananias. All right, the greatest defining moment we said, number one, was salvation and God was drawing Saul to himself. But the second defining moment in our spiritual walk or spiritual journey comes when we go public with our faith. When we're willing to stand up and say, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a Christian. Saul had a decision to make right here, right? Saul could have said, you know, these other guys, they didn't really get it. They didn't really see it. He could have said, you know what, I got to go back. I'm going home. I'm not really going to tell anybody what happened to me. I'm going to keep it on the down low because I got a career. I got a job. I got a family. And and if I start to tell people that I'm a follower of Jesus, I mean, this is going to cost me everything. But Ananias also had a decision to make, didn't he? He hears from God, go and lay your hands on this guy Saul. And Ananias in his mind's thinking, "Um, God... I don't know if you know this, uh, but that guy Saul is not a good guy. He was there when Stephen was martyred. He's come here to arrest us. Uh, Do you think this is a trap, God? I don't know. You may not have thought about that, but I'm kind of helping you out here. This could be a trap. So, God, I just, I don't think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to stay over in my comfortable place. I got my friends, I got my family, things are good. I think I'm just going to peace out, God. I'm good. But the defining moment came for both of them. Do I go public? Do I let people know? Or not? What keeps us? What keeps us from from being bold about our faith? What keeps us from going public with our faith? I think there's three things. One, I think our present fear. You know, these guys had very real fear, but, but we have fears too. We think if I really get serious about my faith, if I invite somebody to church, or if I say, hey, I'll host a Bible study, if I, you know, kind of step out there, then, I mean, what are people going to think? I think our present fear. Number two, I think this, our past struggles. I think our past struggles. 
I think in our life, many times we want to get serious about Christ. We want to be bold. We want to say, hey, you know, I want to pray with my spouse. I want to pray with my roommates. I want to pray with my kids. But every time, it's like our past struggles, you know, Satan brings those up. You don't think Saul had those past struggles? You killed Christians, man. Number three, I think, is this, is our future callings. Our future callings, you know. You got these future faith. And we, think in, and we think in our minds, we say, well, okay, God, if I really, you know, if I'm baptized or if I join a small group, then one day you're probably going to make me go be a missionary to Guam. And I want to be a missionary to Guam. And so if I don't do this step, then maybe I won't end up in Guam, you know. And you're going, God's like, uh, I'm not saying you have to go to Guam. I'm just saying take the next step. And you're like, yeah, but I've already extrapolated this thing out. And I know where this thing is going, right? And, you know, if I go on a mission trip, I'm going to want to bring kids home. And next thing you know, I'm going to have 15 kids living in my house. And so... God just kind of forget that whole deal because, you know, I don't need 15 kids in my house. And, you know, I'm, God's going, hello. <laughs> I'm just saying take the next step. I'm just saying just go forward. I'm saying just follow. Because the defining moment comes when we are simply obedient. <laughs> the defining moment comes when we're simply responsive to God's call and God's will in our lives. And so what are Saul, what's Ananias, what are they going to do here? Are they going to keep it on the down low? Or are they going to play the kind of secret agent Christian? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian. <laughs> no. Or are they going to say, okay, God, I'm all in. I know I'm saved. I know I'm redeemed, but, but I'm all in. Here we go. Verse 17, then Ananias went to the house and he entered it. And placing his hands on Saul, he said, and I'm sure his hands were shaking. I mean, don't you know this? I mean, this guy's scared to death and puts his hands on him. He says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the, on the road as you were coming here. I bet Saul's thinking, how'd you know that? You know, you weren't there. How'd you know that? He has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit immediately. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. First thing Saul did, right? He got up and he was baptized. You see, baptism is an outward expression of an inward faith. Baptism is us making public. Baptism is us is saying, you know what? I'm a follower of Jesus. He is the Lord of my life. And I've made this inward decision. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm restored by the grace of God. But I'm publicly stepping forward. I'm being baptized. I'm being baptized. A lot of times you meet people and talk to people and they're like, you know, I, just, I don't know about that baptism thing. You know, I, mean, I don't know. I don't like to look wet in front of people. I, you know, mess up my hair. I, it, you know, we come up with all these thoughts and these excuses. But, but yet there's a God who just says, hey, that's your next step. It's going public with your faith. That's, that's following me. And your defining moment comes when you're, when you're baptized or you're being obedient. Like Ananias, I'm just going to be obedient. I'm scared to death here, but I'm going to step out and I'm going to do it. I love that. I love that. Tonight we celebrate baptism. We have a baptism service at 6 o'clock. Love to invite everybody to come. We're going to bring a dessert to share. We'll have baptism and dessert. But we ask people who are being baptized to kind of write out a little bit of their story, a little bit of their testimony. And, And one of the ladies being baptized, she wrote this. She said, I grew up going to church, but we never talked about the Bible outside of church. My husband and I started coming to Rolling Hills about five years ago, and I started to learn more about the Bible than ever before. 
Every year when I heard about the mission trips to Moldova, I felt this desire to go, but I could not bring myself to make that leap. I'm a wife and a mother of two beautiful girls. And the fear, she said that, right? And the fear of dying kept me from going. Two years ago, my husband and I were asked to be a part of a small group. We thought about it and we rearranged our calendars to attend. Joining that small group was definitely a defining moment for me. During those two years, I grew to know and to love Jesus. <laughs> I love that. In those two years, I, I grew to know and love Jesus. And this summer, I did take that leap of faith and I went to Moldova. One night, I was trying to go to sleep and I was thinking about all the children we had talked to that day. And one boy in particular was on my mind from the small village that we had just visited. As I was thinking about him and all that had happened that day, my eyes teared up and I eventually fell asleep. The next morning when I woke up, for some reason I was thinking about baptism. I really did not think much about it and went on with my day spending it with kids in Carpignan. The following morning, I woke up again and again baptism was on my mind. And again, I did not think much about it and I went on with my day. The next morning, I woke up again thinking about baptism. I finally got the message. Finally got the message. God was telling me that the next defining moment for me was to be baptized. I am excited to be a follower of Christ. And I cannot wait to see what defining moment he has in store for me next. Man, I love that. I can't wait to see what defining moment he has in store for me next. You see, you never get to a point in your spiritual life, right? Where you go, okay, I'm done. I've done it, right? I've accepted Christ and I'm kind of done. It's over. God's always calling you to go forward. God's always calling you to take a step of faith. God's always calling you into obedience. That's how you grow deeper in your faith. And there's a reason it's called faith, right? Because we don't have all the answers. We don't know how it's all going to go down. If you're going to see the waterfall, at some point you got to step in the water. At some point, you got to step out. So what fear has been holding you back? Maybe it is baptism. Maybe in your story, you go, you know, I was baptized as an infant. And then you realize that really wasn't my decision. That was my parents' decision. But I know God's calling me to take that. And I'm scared. Or maybe for you, it's being a part of a small group. Or maybe for you, it's... A mission trip, or maybe for you it's inviting somebody to church, or maybe for you it's just praying with your family, or maybe it's praying with your spouse, or praying with your roommates, and and you're going, but I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do, and this fear raises its ugly head, and and yet when you step past it, there's this freedom that comes, there's this joy that comes, there's this, okay, God, that's awesome. I can't wait to see what my next defining moment's going to be. But if you're going to see the waterfall. You got to step in the water. It says Saul spent several days. He spent several days there with the disciples in Damascus. And I love this verse. It says at once, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. I, I love that at once. It was like Saul just said, okay, Jesus, I'm all in. I had these days to think about it, to pray about it, you know, whether I was going to kind of try to keep it underground or keep it undercover and go back to my old life. But, but no, I'm all in. Here we go. Watch the journey unfold. Let's go. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't this the man who, who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? 
Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. After many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan, and day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. Now, can you imagine? I mean, he comes there, you know, you got Peter and John, and you got the disciples, and they go, hey, Saul's wanting to join in. And they're like, yeah, right. I mean, this is a setup if I've ever seen it. Come on. I mean, no. This guy's going to come in. He's going to know who we are. He's going to kill us. And and they're scared to death of him. He he can't escape his past, can he? But I love this in verse 27. But Barnabas took him and he brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus that he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. I love this guy, Barnabas. We're going to see him again in a couple of weeks. This guy is known as, you know, the son of encouragement. And I love that he, Barnabas goes and he sticks up for him. You know, he just puts his arm around him and he walks him into the middle of the room. He goes, hey guys, listen. You can think whatever you want to, but man, I'm going to tell you, I'm with this guy. I support this guy. I believe in this guy. Aren't you thankful for the Barnabases in your life? (laughs) Aren't you thankful for the people who just don't give up on you, come along and put their arm around you and just say, come on, you can do it. You're following Jesus. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. You stay the course. You you know, as your pastor, listen, I want to be your Barnabas. (laughs) I do. I just want to each Sunday just put my arm around you and go, come on, you can do it. You can be the husband God's called you to be. You can be the father. You can be the wife. You can be the mother. God has a great plan for you. As a church staff, that's what we want to do. We're in this together. And I want you to know, church, you're loved. You are. And I know it's not easy, you know, living every day for Jesus. I know it's not easy in this world of hurt and pain and brokenness. But I want you to know that our God is bigger. And our God is greater. And our God hasn't given up on any of us. And the best is yet to be. You hold on to him. And Barnabas, man, he was there. He was there for Saul. So Saul stayed with him. And he moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of Jesus. He talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. And when the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. I mean, if there's anybody who could have said, you know, God, you can't use me. It's this guy Saul. I mean, if there's anybody here who you think you've made mistakes in the past and so God can't use you, you don't even compare, I'm telling you, to what this guy did. He killed Christians. He persecuted the church. And he could have held back and said, you know what, God, use somebody else. You you can't use me. But God had a plan for him. You know, this guy Saul, his name's eventually changed, isn't it? What does it become? Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. This is his story. This is his defining moment. The Apostle Paul, what does he do? He takes the gospel to the Gentiles. He writes over half the New Testament. Because God had a plan and a purpose for his life. And your defining moment, your defining moment of faith, your defining moment of stepping in the water, your defining moment of following Jesus, I'm going to tell you, it impacts more than just you. It impacts others. 
It impacts your family. It impacts your friends. It impacts your community. As you are obedient, as you follow, as you trust, as you grow. Look at verse 31. What does it say? Then, right? There's a correlation. Then, the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. This isn't a fear boo, right? This is a fear like a reverence of respect, of awe, of what God is doing. But it says, then the church experienced a time of peace. Why? Because people stopped persecuting the church because, man, their lead persecutor guy has now become a follower of the way. I mean, you know, they're like, uh, something's happening here. And the church enjoyed a time of peace. God blessed so many other people because of this guy stepping in into his defining moment. Because of this guy not just experiencing salvation, but taking that next step and saying, hey, Jesus, whatever you call, I'll be obedient, I'll follow. Because of a guy named Ananias who could have kind of held back and said, you know, God, I've got a comfortable life. Things are going really well here. You know, I know I got this vision from you, but I'm going to kind of write that off like I didn't really hear you. But no, I'll be obedient. God honors that every time. What in your life is holding you back? If I can encourage you in any way, please listen. Never let fear hold you back. Please never let fear hold you back from being the man or the woman that God created you to be. Never let fear hold you back from doing what God has called you to do. Because Satan will use that every time. You go forward in Christ. You trust him. You live for him. This summer I was walking along one day with my five-year-old daughter Kate and Kate starts kindergarten tomorrow right kindergarten kicks off full full day and and so I'm holding her hand and we're walking along and I look down and I say Kate are you excited about kindergarten and just like a five-year-old she looks up at me and she says I'm a little scared daddy I said I get it you know I know you're a little nervous about it and it's a whole big change but but Kate listen you're gonna do great you're gonna do great I'm telling you you're gonna love it She says, you think so, Daddy? I go, oh, yeah. I said, you're going to do so well. You're going to learn so much. You're going to have new friends. I said, God's going to do great things in you. And and listen, your sisters are going to be there at that school. And your daddy's going to be here for you. Your daddy loves you and he believes in you. And Kate just stops as we're walking. She looks at me and she just raises her arms. She says, thank you, Daddy. I said, you're welcome, baby. I love you. You know, and I just picked her up. and, And I think so many times in our lives we forget We forget the fear dominates us, but we forget that we have a daddy who says, hey, I'm right here for you. (laughs) I'm right here for you. I promise to never leave you or forsake you. I am right here for you. If we just look up and say, thank you, daddy. I know it's hard. I know it's challenging. I know it's difficult. But but thank you, daddy, that you're with me. And here I go. I'm following. I'm stepping out. I'm being obedient. I received a text from a guy last week, and he said, Jeff, nine years ago, you baptized me. Nine years ago, about this time, you baptized me. And, and I, I, man, I just could picture right in my mind because his girlfriend at the time invited him. They were, we were meeting at the movie theater and he would stand on the side. And they, she would sit there and he, he would stand there and he had some back issues going on. And I just remember watching and praying and thinking, okay, this guy could go either way, right? I mean, he could say, okay, this is crazy. And he grew up in kind of a different kind of church and the music was, whoa, way different, you know? And he was, he was like, what am I gonna do? But I watched him and I watched God work in his life. You know what? I remember his baptism so clearly and he married that beautiful girl and 
They've got an amazing family. They're leaders in our church. They're leaders in the community. And I've just watched God work in his life. And I just think those steps of obedience along the way, those steps of saying, God, okay, I'm yours. And I'll be public. I'll trust you. I'll follow you. I'm yours. Never stop growing. Never stop following. Have you ever been around stagnant water? I mean, what is it? It smells, doesn't it? It stinks. And I think so many times Christians, they stop in their life and they become stagnant. When you become stagnant, what do you do? You become critical of everything. It's like, oh, this and that. And they don't meet my needs. And you know, like, come on. When you're following Jesus, there's love and there's grace and there's mercy. There's a calling and you're going forward. What's God calling you to do? What about you? Maybe it is baptism. Maybe tonight you're just going, hey, I'm coming. Six o'clock, let's go. I'm ready. You know, I'll be there. I'm going to want to be baptized. Maybe for you, it's being in a small group. Maybe for you, it's prayer. Maybe for you, it's missions. Maybe for you, it's just inviting somebody to church. I don't know what it is, but I know this. I know this. Oh, God loves you. And he's not finished with you yet. Hold on to him. Trust him. And watch God do what only God can do. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Right where you are, right where you sit. This is you and God. Right? Would you just right now pray and maybe say, God, put something in my head that's not for me. God, just like you spoke to Saul and Ananias and you speak to these people in the Bible, God, would you speak to me? And God, when you do speak, would you give me the courage to do what you call me to do? I believe this could be a defining moment. (laughs) Maybe that defining moment is, God, I want to work on my marriage. I want to have a great marriage. And God, it just seems like everything else has become a priority and my job and all these things. And and God, I I want to pour into that. I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great mom. I I want to live my life for you, God. God, there's new people around me who don't know you and I'm scared to death, but... Father, I know I need to have a spiritual conversation. I just want to tell them that, that you love them. God, I'm scared of being in a small group. <laughs> Never done it. But Father, if that's what you're calling me and my family to do, I want to grow. Father, all across this room, there's prayers going up to you. and God, it doesn't confuse you in the slightest because you're a personal God. You're a God who loves us intimately. You're involved in our lives. And, and so I pray right now, Father, that, that we would hear from you. I pray that you take away the excuses. I pray that you take away all the things that we come up with and the fears and the struggles. And I pray right now, Father, that you would make your will in our lives clear. God, we don't see the waterfall unless we're willing to step in the water. And so I pray today, Father, that you would give us the courage to step. And just to know, God, as we do, as we follow, there is a joy that wells up in us that we can't even explain. That the best is yet to be. I thank you, Father, for every person here this morning. It's not an accident that anybody is here. That you have a plan for all of our lives. 
And Lord, I just put my arms around each person here and just say thank you. Bless them. Bless their family. Bless their life. And use us, oh God, for your glory. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. 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 Wow.